All righty, everybody. Good morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast here on a Saturday morning. And uh, we've been going through the rankings. We started breaking down. We did quarterbacks the other day, running backs, and uh, we're on to the wide receivers, Wiz. And uh, good morning to you. And I, actually, I just want to say, Wiz, before we get into football, um, for sports fans out there, I thought one of the coolest events uh, that we've seen in a long time, and it came out in the ratings because it was the highest rated baseball game since 2005. But Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies, uh, sports movies, Kevin Costner and the Cornfields of Iowa. And I thought the Major League Baseball, who's made a lot of fumbles and the game of baseball's changed quite a lot. But I really enjoyed every aspect of that game and Hollywood ending as it turned out. But what a superb game. I hope people caught that game, Wiz. Uh, I hope you caught it. I thought it was fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh it was, it, was, it was a wild game, a wild, you know, the, the scene, the way they set it up was fantastic. And uh, I don't know, maybe the Yankees could find somebody in that cornfield that could get an out in that bullpen, huh? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was on a I was on a thread uh, with a couple of buddies of mine who, who who are Yankee fans and sports fans, whatever. And during the thread, we were ripping Aaron Judge. He must have heard us because uh, he popped a couple of balls into that cornfield on uh, on Thursday night. But just a just a really cool event. You know, eight thousand fans. Uh, yeah, obviously coming from Chicago, uh, having a New York team like the Yankees exposed. I I hope Major League Baseball decides to do something like this every year. You know, the novelty kind of how the NFL does the international games uh nf nhl is playing uh, on the ice you know nba is gonna have to figure something out i know back in the past you've seen college basketball play on aircraft carriers but it, it was just a cool venue uh you know kevin costner in that movie i i loved every bit of that movie james earl jones amy madigan but you know it was just a fun feeling i, I felt like i was watching a games a game at williamsport which you know if you're a real baseball fan those those little league world series which are going on right now those are fun games but that's what it felt like the ambiance there was was just really really phenomenal. Yeah, it was also um, you know the whole fame inductions while we're going back to football here. Uh, you know, I just thought it was a shame. Like I wanted to hear Peyton Manning talk longer than six minutes. I know they changed the rule to keep it short, but uh, you know he's just such an entertaining guy in the way he comes across with sense of humor and uh, a lot of sincerity. And uh, you know it, it's really fitting because there's something that Peyton Manning used, did as a player uh, that, you know, people, uh, some uh, veterans who retired talk about is that after every NFL player retired, you know, that was around the NFL, you know, for a while and, 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 you know, had made the name for themselves and been a prominent player in the NFL, Peyton Manning would just write them all handwritten letters telling them that they were, you know, what kind of a player they were and what they meant to him. And, uh, you know, just he's always just been tremendous with that, and then to see him actually be inducted into the Hall of Fame, I, I thought was terrific. But uh, I just wish it was. Um, I, I wish it was more than six minutes. Oh yeah, he I mean, made fun of the fact that it was six minutes. Yeah, yeah, the six minutes, and I think that impacted his speech. Right, you saw he was kind of rushed at certain points of the speech, and, and 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 you know, look, it came across as an unbelievably impassioned speech. One could argue, you know, almost like you could see him as an ambassador for the game. Uh, the next NFL commissioner, I don't know. You can art- you could. It's easy to see how he can gravitate towards that sort of thing. Peyton Manning is just an amazing guy. Uh, you know, he's been tremendous for the game. He wants to see the game indoor. Uh, I thought that was one of the more noteworthy speech. I personally love Tro- Troy Palomalo's speech. 
I thought Edrin James was extremely eloquent um, in, in terms of the words that he had to say to everybody. And, you know, remember, we didn't have a ceremony last year, so, you know, it's a two-day event. You had the 20 class and the 21 class. I loved it, but I agree with you. The, the six minutes long seems, seems ridiculous. But Peyton Manning, you know, if and when uh, Roger Goodell is ready to move on, uh, would certainly be one of the most worthy candidates out there to take over as NFL commissioner. Whether he wants it or not, I don't know. I'm actually excited if, fan, if fans don't know about this. You know, him and Eli this year, and he's such a funny guy as well, but they're going to be doing a simulcast on, on, a, on a bunch of the Monday night games. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped about that. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's very, you know, he, he's, he's very well-versed. Uh, and uh, I, I just don't see him taking, you know, that job. I don't think he wants to be, like, hemmed in to that type of thing. I think he could do other things and probably has aspirations of, of doing other things. I think, quite frankly, you know, I could see him down the road being a general manager or owner uh, of a franchise uh, down the road. But we'll wait and see. But uh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, wide receivers, aren't we? We are talking about wide receivers, breaking down the rankings. And, you know, I, I thought about this one was, you, know, you know, to me, this is you know, as the game has evolved, this is the deepest position that we have to go through. I think every team in the NFL has at least three options at the wide re- receiver position, and you kind of have to weigh that out in terms of uh, how you value players uh, along the way. But it's a very deep position. You know, one thing that I think is noteworthy, if you look at, you know, and there's high variability. So last year, if you look at the top 10 guys from 2019, only two guys were able to duplicate their efforts in 2020 and become you know, top 10 players on the fantasy landscape when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the wide receiver position. So, you know, we'll see how that shakes out this year. You know, a lot of the familiar names, uh, you know, are up there in the top 10 guys really broke out last year. A guy like Stefan Diggs, uh, who was newly, newly paired with Josh Allen. Uh, so a lot of high expectations again, going into this year, we know what a dominant force people were looking for Mike Thomas to be last year. And that certainly didn't come to fruition. So there is variability in the position. Injuries do happen. Uh, but I think there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of youth here. Uh, um, you know, there's there's just tremendous talent across the board at wide receiver, and I'm looking forward to talking about the position uh, Wes, today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's a it's a position where this is a difficult what we're trying to do for this one. This is the most difficult position to do because I, I think a case can be made that if you took receivers, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 35, 15 and 40, and you asked a hundred different people, they they would give you various, various rankings that would be upside down to what I might have or might you have, or uh, you, you could just see a case could be made. I could be talked into why players should be moved up or down at the position. I think it's difficult to take a stand against any of the top 10 or 12 guys that are ranked. So I wasn't going to nitpick and do that. I mean, I think this just boils down to personal preference. So I'm going to start with two receivers who seem to be in the wide receiver two talk. Both of these wide receivers ranked inside the top 25 at the position. And I'm going to take a pass on both these receivers if they go that high in any draft that I'm in. Uh, The first one is Chase Claypool. Um, who I feel is a talented player. But there are several reasons why I'm against Shady Claypool being drafted and ranked that high. Number one is I feel he's touchdown dependent. Um, I don't think he's a volume guy. 
I think if you talk about volume guys, first, you know, Johnson and Schuster are ahead of him on the pecking order. So I think in some ways he's touchdown dependent. That's number one. Number two is where he, you know, has a chance to, 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 to be a big-time player is the deep ball. That's where he is way ahead of Johnson. He's much bigger and faster and physical than Deontay Johnson, and, and Schuster is not running those type of routes. So as far as the big play is concerned, there are two things working against that. Number one is Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really want to throw that pass, and he's not very – he's not elite at throwing the deep pass the way he used to be. And then to get him down the field, to set up and throw that deep pass, you need a really good offensive line. So you have a quarterback who's aging who doesn't really want to throw the pass isn't a lead at throwing that pass anymore with an offensive line that's probably not going to give him time for that setup. So for those reasons and the touchdown dependence, I'm against Chase Claypool. I'm not going to be drafting him in any of my leagues if he goes as a top 25 receiver. And then the other receiver is Brandon Ayuk. And this is hinges on who's the quarterback. And right now it's going to be Garoppolo. We'll see how long that la- it lasts, but until Trey Lance gets in there, or if Trey Lance gets in there, I'm going to shy away from Brandon Ayuk. Um, I just feel he's much more suited if a, if a quarterback lands, like Trey Lance is in there. Uh, offensively, they really want to ground and pound you. They have a very good running back room. And then when they do throw the ball, you know, a healthy George Kittle is going to be Garoppolo's number one target all the time. Uh, after that, there could be some sort of a mix between Ayuk and Debo Samuel. So I like the player, but because I don't think it would be the same thing with Garoppolo as if Trey Lance was in there, and then you're talking about what they want to do on offense and George Kittle being the number one priority when they throw the ball, for all of those reasons I've mentioned, I'm going to take a pass on Chase Claypool and Brandon Ayuk as top 25 receivers. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not going to fight you on e- either of them. I think the, the points are very solid ones. Uh, in particular, you're, 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 what you're talking about in San Francisco. Now, my feeling is that we're going to see Trey, Trey, Trey Lance earlier than later. Uh, so that may dictate, you know, kind of in some leagues what I do with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I think Brandon Ayuk is the most talented wide receiver on this roster. Um, one of the guys I did actually want to talk about was Debo Samuel, who I'm, I'm going to shy away from this year because I just don't trust his, his injury history this far, thus far. And it's, it's followed him two years in a row. And so I'm a little bit scarred with that, and I own him for a dollar in a in a in a in a, in a keeper league, which I don't know if I'm going to keep that player. I don't trust. He's again dealing with the injury stuff right now, so I don't trust that. But I think it is definitely conditional to what's going to happen at the quarterback position. And we talked about this on that on that in the podcast that we did on groups of wide receivers that were very difficult to make a distinct a, a distinction in, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers with Johnson with Juju Smith-Schuster, with Claypool. And Claypool, they they found a way to use him effectively around the goal line. They gave him rushes. This is a, kind of in the middle of the season. And then teams kind of started keying on him a little bit. And, and he got a little quiet as the season went on. So I think there's a lot more variability and inconsistency with a player like Chase Claypool. That's what I would say to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm just going to take a pass on that. I mean... As far as Trey Lance getting in there, you know, that's going to hinge on more than just Garoppolo's play. That's going to hinge on how the 49ers are doing. So uh, he'll play. 
I guess they're going to use him in some packages during the game, but uh, I just feel I'm not. I know I'm not even consider Brandon Ayuk uh, unless I hear or you know that that either Lance has been named the starter or I feel there's a strong chance he's going to get in there. Um, you know, during the season, earlier in the season, I'm going to stay away from those two players. So. Who the first uh, couple players uh, wide receivers you want to talk about? So, so actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the the one guy that you, you you may be very surprised that I'm gonna speak about him that that is established firmly and probably as the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy right now. Uh, we saw this with Mike Thomas last year. I think this is a little bit different right now though coming into this season. So we know the distractions that have taken place in Green Bay in the off season between both Rodgers and. Devontae Adams with his own issues in terms of a long-term contract with the Packers. And this was a player, now I know he has a high volume of, of balls that he's catching, and he had a tremendous year last year, but let's face it, last year, Devontae Adams, 19 touchdowns. That is going to be, I, look, I know he's going to be looked at all the time, but it's going to be very difficult to duplicate that kind of number. So when I look at Devontae Adams, I think it's a player that definitely has room to move lower in the rankings. Um be just because that's very hard to duplicate that feat. That's uh, that. That's what I would say right there. But the two other players that kind of fold into what you were talking about in terms of guys that are kind of going off as number two guys right now. Uh, but I think they're going to be number one guys, you know, by far, and, and, and they're going to possibly have top ten seasons this year uh, in, in fantasy. And you know, uh, right now I see. Terry McLaurin just outside, kind of like the top twelve or thirteen. He's just just on the hinge on the fringes of that. And the and the other guy I see there is is Robert Woods. And I just think those two players. Uh, I talked about the Rams receivers. I've talked about Matt Stafford in the last podcast on quarterbacks. Uh, I think the opportunities given the rushing game uh, without Cam Akers. I think there's every room in the world for the the Los Angeles Rams to have a top ten pass catcher. And I just favor it being Mike uh, uh, Robert Woods. I love Cooper Cup as well, but I think Robert Woods also with his rushing ability. I, I think he's a guy that's going to be a top ten guy this year. Uh, you know, I just feel really strongly about that. And Terry McLaurin has had very few guys that have been talented enough to throw to him in the first couple of years of his career. And I know what Ryan Fitzpatrick did for Devontae Adams when he kind of showed up and keyed up on his number one option. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. I think Terry McLaurin is a slam dunk top 10 guy this year in fantasy. Yeah, I think McLaurin is ranked right around that. And a lot of things that I'm seeing lately, 10 to 12 or 13. So, you know, I think that he's, you know the Robert Woods one. I you know that that one is he's definitely being ranked as a as a wide receiver too. So I can understand that. Um, yeah, with the quarterback uh, Stafford there could do a lot more things with the ball than than Jared Goff. Um, that that definitely makes sense. So well, before I get to a few more receivers that I have in here, are, are you are you feeling strongly that Robert Woods is going to distinguish himself from Cooper Cup? In terms of fantasy, the way a lot of people feel that Justin Jefferson is going to distinguish himself from Adam Thielen. Yeah, that's that. That is definitely my feeling at this point in time. Okay, interesting, interesting. We'll see how that plays out. I like the. Uh, I like. I like that. Uh, I'm going to talk about two receivers going the other way. That uh, both of these receivers, in places I look, are ranked outside of the top 40, which doesn't even make them wide receiver three. But I think both receivers you know, can be and should be in the wide receiver three conversation. The first one is Darius Slayton. 
and I keep coming back to him, and he wasn't on my radar last year, and he was a little bit of a disappointment. I know you were high on him last year. But, you know, I just don't see the mix going well between Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay, who's already going to miss maybe, you know, up until game one with a hamstring injury. So, Gary Slayton is not even being ranked inside the top 50 at the position in a lot of places. I think Darius Slayton can sneak in to wide receiver three where he could become uh, the most productive Giants wide receiver this year. So I think he's being drafted and looked at rankings in the wrong way. I think he could end up being a fantasy football starter. And then another one who is a fantasy football darling going into last year um, was Devontae Parker. And he is another one that is being looked at. It could be a combination because – People are not quite sure how to make the mix between him, uh, Jalen Waddell, and Will Fuller. And they're trying to figure it out in the podcast we talked about with the Dolphins receivers, those three guys. But I think Devontae Parker has an advantage over the other two receivers. Number one is Will Fuller, you know, is coming over from a new team. Uh, Parker practiced and played in games with, with two last year. And I don't know Jalen Waddell played with two at Alabama, but it's not the same when you're coming in as a rookie wide receiver. Um, it's very difficult for rookie wide receivers their first year to come in there and be very, very productive. So for those reasons, I like Devontae Parker, and I think Darius Slayton is a guy who is maybe overrated last year, and I feel he's being completely underrated this year. So I like Slayton and Parker to better their perceived rankings well that's so so i'm going to comment on both Uh, as a giant fan i've kind of already pointed out that i'm very gun shy when it comes to giants and fantasy this year uh for some reasons let's see i mean i know tonight we have a a, their first preseason game i don't think we're going to get a lot from preseason football this year that's certainly at least not to start uh it's very difficult watching any of these games right now half the quarterbacks in the nfl won't even take a snap in the preseason so this will be a much more challenging preseason to kind of assess but uh, Slayton, that's kind of an out-of-the-box move, at least this, at this time around. Sterling Shepard has also looked very healthy here. We know they have tight end options. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on Galladay. I don't trust that player any, in any way, shape, or form just because of the situation. Uh, you know, Coming off an injury, has an injury now. So, But Slayton did have a very good rapport with Daniel Jones uh, in, in year one. He was the guy that he would extend, extend the field with. So you know, Daniel Jones obviously has to take that next step too. So it's an interesting take on that. I'm actually the other way on Devontae Parker. Um, you add Fuller, you add Waddle, you've got guys like Lynn Bowden Jr., Albert Wilson, who opted out last year, making some noise. I don't particularly trust Tua as, as a quarterback anyway. And as a result, I've actually taken Devontae Parker, who I do like as a player, but I think the situation limits his, is going to limit his opportunities as, as a receiver. And I think there's just kind of a lot of mouths to feed here. So I'm a little bit more gun-shy while I like the player. The situation, the players around him kind of shy me away a little bit from Devontae Parker this year. Look, if I, if I felt the way you feel about Tua, I may have the same view, but I'm the opposite on Tua. Um, I like Tua this year. I, I think he's going to get a really chance, another year removed from the injury. So uh, I'm in on that Dolphins offense, and I, I'm, I'm liking Tua, and I see myself because uh, a lot of people maybe end up looking at the stats and you're not realizing you know, the kind of year it was for Tua with COVID and the split situation with Fitzpatrick and 
you know, you know, not being, you know, now being another year removed from the from the injury, uh, I just feel like I'm going to have some equity in two this year, and I'm going to I'm going to be fine with that. So we'll see how it plays out with Tua and Devontae Parker. So. Uh, who are the next receivers you want to talk about? Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. While we're on the subject of guys that are kind of on the outside right now, maybe is kind of number threes or what have you, and and the potential to have a kind of stronger year. I'm gonna kind of fold into that. I will go back to a couple of options at receiver guys ranked a little higher. I don't like, but but I'm gonna talk about a few guys that kind of fit into what you just spoke about. So Lavisca Chenault is that player for me. Uh, I'm very excited to see what this offense could do. Uh, Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence, and I think LaVisca Chenault is the biggest beneficiary in this offense. That's just my personal view. Uh, I, a very powerful guy. Uh, I think he feeds into a lot of what Urban Meyer likes to do around the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think you'll see him used not in the backfield the way he was used last year. The usage of the player is going to be very different. I'm not a humongous DJ Shark fan. DJ Shark also coming off of uh, an injury and actually had recently an operation. Marvin Jones is here. You know my view on Marvin Jones over the years. I, I You know, again, Marvin Jones thrived last year because there was no Kenny Galladay, but I just think Marvin Jones is one of these guys that's one of the more inconsistent guys when it comes to fantasy. He'll have three or four big games a year and go very quiet in a lot of other ones. So, But Chenault, I know Travis Etienne is here as well. They don't really have a tight end presence, but I think Chenault is a guy that you should be drafting, keeping your eyes on. I think he'll be a huge beneficiary of the new system that's put in place in Jacksonville. So a player that I, I, I really, really like this year and a guy that's kind of ranked there. And the other guy is, I, I think this is the wide receiver to own for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm pretty firm in my stance here. The rapport was excellent last year before he got injured, but Tyler Boyd to me, again, every year the guy that's kind of under the radar. I know there's a lot being made of Jamar Chase and his, his relationship, obviously, with, with Burrow when they were at LSU. But Jamar Chase didn't play football last year, and he's a rookie receiver. Some rookie receivers make a lot of noise. We we know that does happen. Uh, T. Higgins is here as well. But I think Tyler Boyd, week in and week out, will be the most consistent guy in the Cincinnati receiving core. That's just my personal view. I think he's kind of ranked too low in, in my eyes and a guy that's probably good for five, six catches a week, 70 yards, and, and and definitely a guy that's even looked at around the end zone. And I think he's kind of being ranked third in the pecking order of those three guys. We talked about that group, but I think Tyler Boyd at the end of the year will be the number one fantasy receiver in Cincinnati. Yeah, Tyler Boyd reminds me of the good golden tape that we just year in, year out, would put up good numbers. Nothing would like flash. Nothing would stand out. Nothing would make, you know, jump off the page. Nothing would make people excited to draft the next year, but he would just roll up numbers year in, year out. And I think that's, you know, that's the case with Tyler Boyd. And uh, I think he's uh, very much the safety blanket uh, for Joe Burrow. So I could see your point on that one. I love LaVisca Chenault, the player. He's the closest thing to Heinz Ward that I've seen since Heinz Ward retired from the game. He's a receiver who's not looking to shy from contact. He's looking to cause the contact. He's looking to destroy defensive players. He's a physical player. Uh, But he's been ranked, you know, pretty much. You know, he's not off the radar, so I like him. But when I looked at him, I just felt, yep, okay, He's ranked about right. Where do you see him entrenched in wide receiver two? Like, are you feeling he should be one of the top 25 receivers drafted? Uh, You're talking about Boyd? 
No, Chenault. Oh, Chenault. Sorry, uh, sorry. Chenault, top twenty-five. I, I, I see him ranked kind of in the forties. That's that's where I see it, and, and I think he's probably should be in the top thirty. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've seen him ranked a little bit higher than that. You know, uh, certainly, uh, in you know, wide receiver three range. But yeah, he's a he's an interesting player. But how could you say that the Jags don't have a tight end? Do you forget that they have Tim Tebow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have forgotten so, about Tim Tebow. Yes. Well, we'll see how it plays out. But I really like, uh, you know, Boyd's a very good uh, pick. He's a good safety blanket. Uh, and, uh, and and it should, you know, get a lot of catches. And, uh, yeah, I, I just have got to watch what Urban Meyer does because I'm just not quite sure what he's going to do. And I'm not quite sure he knows what he's going to do. I think he, he still feels he's in college with some of these press conferences. Like, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to start a week one. I mean, that's like, you know, when you have a, you know, a couple of college quarterbacks and you're playing Michigan and you don't want to announce or give anything away. I mean, you took Trevor Lawrence to number one pick. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a starter. I don't understand why he's playing these games that he did in college, but uh, hopefully he'll mature as a coach and we'll see how, how that plays out. Um, I'm going to give two guys that are way back on the rankings that I think would be somewhat interesting this year. One is on the Rams, and that's actually Deshaun Jackson, uh, who I think... Oh, 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 oh. Can... Don't, don't do this to me, Wes. <laughs> so I think he could be an interesting player because uh, with the absence of a workhorse running back and Cam Akers, I think you're going to see a lot more finesse out of the Rams throwing the ball. And I just think Deshaun Jackson is one of these guys that you certainly want to draft in a best ball league. But I think he's a guy that people should not forget about him. And I know in our league where we're drafting seven wide receivers in a 12-team league, which is a minimum of 84 receivers, uh, I'll be taking a look at Deshaun Jackson. I think he's interesting in that Rams offense. He is uh, the wide receiver that is best suited for that deep game that Stafford wants to go to. So I'm looking at, uh, at Deshaun Jackson and then another guy whose rankings does not make sense to me is John Brown. Nelson Aguilar went to the Raiders, and he was a different guy. And I feel John Brown is going to be running those same routes and the same kind of pass, uh, you know, going out for receptions in, in, in the same kind of routes and the same kind of plays that Aguilar ran. And I know he's been banged up on what he's played, uh, he's been very, very productive, and I looked, and he's being ranked outside the top 50. I'm not sure I understand that. I know I don't agree with that. So uh, in leagues that John Brown and Deshaun Jackson seem to have been completely forgotten about, I think I'm going to have some equity in at least one of those players. So it's kind of interesting. I, I, I was listening to a report on the Raiders the other day, and you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the Raiders in this podcast, the play calling, the personnel. Uh, we're seeing accolades once again paid this preseason to Brian Edwards, a, a player that both of us kind of talked about last year. Uh, rookie last year, didn't really get on the field that much, dealing with injuries. We know Henry Ruggs was extremely inconsistent in his rookie year. Uh, you know, And I think for a player like John Brown, he's going to have every opportunity to kind of succeed in this offense. Now, the question is, 
right now he has actually been running with the second-team offense. So I think that's part of the reason uh, that, that you've seen what happens. They've had they've had Ruggs, Edwards, and Renfro when they're three wide in their practices. So and I, Renfro's a guy I really like, a guy that's not used enough in that offense. Brian Edwards I was watching last year, but like I said, couldn't get on the field. You have John Gruden saying he looks like Terrell Owens out there at times. So you know, I, I think it's a situation to watch with the Raiders. Uh, I don't trust John Gruden. I don't trust the play calling here either. But nonetheless, I, I, I find it interesting. You know, John Brown is a player that I like a lot. So I'm not going to beat you up on that whatsoever. I think Deshaun Jackson falls into a couple of categories for me. First off, he's old. Secondly, he's always injured. I seems to always be dealing with something, and it's just while I I will let guys like you draft him, I'm not going to be the one to take part in it. They have other young guys here like Jefferson, uh, Tutu Atwell. They drafted this year. Obviously, Cup and, and Woods is there. I love I do love that long bomb ability of Deshaun Jackson back in the day, but I, it's, I'm sorry, it was too old for me and too injury prone. Uh, it's a no go for me on Deshaun Jackson. Well. I understand what you're saying, but like in a, in a league where you drafted seven receivers, you don't have to ever have to start the player. I have no problem drafting him for a dollar or two and watching how it plays out, seeing what his usage on the field. As far as the Raiders, you mentioned John Brown running with the second team. I mean, I'm not going to fall for that trick again with John Rudin. I'm not going to fall with the Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards stuff. And then Hunter Renfro ends up standing next to John Gruden on the sidelines for most of the game. I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting No, I know. It's, it's, it's maddening watching that attack. Maddening. Yeah, I, I'm just going on what I know is the best, you know, the, the ability. And right now, John Brown is the best NFL wide receiver on that Raiders roster. Now, I'm not saying what, you know, Ruggs can be at some point, but I'm saying as we sit here right now, John Brown is the best receiver. And uh, I know all of the stuff about running with the second team, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. And, uh, and so who do you want to talk about? Because uh, I've covered every receiver on my list so far. Uh, okay, so I've, I've got a couple of more guys to cover. I, I, I think, uh, again, we're talking about guys that <laughs> kind of on the outside, kind of being kind of – I guess ignored a little bit or ranked very low. Here's the way I look at this. Someone's going to have to catch the ball in New Orleans. Uh, the, the the wide receiving core there is not going to have Mike Thomas for a number of different weeks. Traquan Smith is currently working through an injury, and, and the guy that's creating the most noise is Marquez Calloway. I think by the time we get to draft day, he's going to be a player that's not going to be ranked where he is currently. You'll see him move up, uh, and I think Marquez Calloway, who did have a couple of good games last year, and again, we have to see how the quarterback play works out, but he's the guy who been making the most noise, the most plays in the wide receiver core right now. Someone's got to catch the ball there aside from Alvin Kamara and Adam Troutman, and I think right now Marcus Calloway is looking like an interesting candidate. Uh, two other players I'm going to talk about. Uh, one, I think Darnell Mooney is ranked way too low. Uh, I like I this player a lot last year. Uh, he was a little slow out of the gate, but he's picked it up now. I think the quarterback play, regardless, is going to be better than it was last year. And Darnell Mooney, in my eyes, is, is, is a guy that's going to make a lot more noise. He's probably the number one receiver of the future in Chicago because I think Allen Robinson's going to move on. So it's a player I'm, I'm keeping very close tabs on for sure. And I'm going to mention one other guy that's kind of like on the forgotten side at the moment, but... Uh, I think something to watch, particularly with Curtis Samuel being unable to get in the field, and Adam Humphreys in Washington uh, will be, and he does have 
a relationship with uh, Brian Fitzpatrick. They've been together before. But Adam Humphreys, if you can, if you continue to see Curtis Samuel not on the football field, I think you'll see Adam Humphreys making some noise early in the season for the Washington football team. Well, let me let me let me just ask you about Callaway uh, and Mooney. What's the ceiling? Well, tell me what the ceiling is. Is it wide receiver two? Do you think that's uh, you know they can't achieve that? Like. When you say, like, keeping an eye on, well, let's get down to it. Like, what's the ceiling for Darnell Mooney and Marcus, Call- uh, Marcus Callaway? I think when you look at those two players, I think they're, they're both going to be guys that have have an ability to be kind of uh, firmly entrenched as wide receiver threes with a potential on a weekly basis to kind of be a, a wide receiver two. I, I just think, you know, there's going to be a number one receiver in – there's going to be a number one receiver in New Orleans. Someone's going to have to do that. We've seen – we see Traquan Smith struggle a lot over the course of his career. And right now, like I said, Callaway is the one that's obviously making the most noise there. And as far as Mooney goes, Mooney last year was having some big games. Anthony Miller is gone from this team. Uh, they, they do have Bird here, Demarius Bird, who played with New England last year. But, but Mooney was putting up big numbers. I think, I think Darnell Mooney could be a guy that catches 75 balls this year for something close to 900 to 1,000 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. That's the kind of year that I think potentially could come out of a player like Darnell Mooney, especially, uh, like I said, quarterback play will be better no matter what, whether it's Dalton or Fields. Uh, but I just think he's a player that's going to rise on this offense. So my concern with Callaway is not the player. I, I think he's a good player. But when it, when it, as it relates to fantasy football drafts, he has value where he sits now. But what's going to happen over these next three weeks with all the talk and all the notoriety and all of these, you know, things that people are saying that I just feel it gets to a point where the player goes from value to a point where he's being drafted, where you almost have to have like 80 and a thousand yards, like 80 receptions and a thousand yards to equal where he's being drafted. In other words, where he's being looked at is fine. But don't you think that a player like that can get so much hype and so much talk? Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, he could have had value as a second-round pick or something like that. But when Lewis Riddick and Peter King are saying, take him as the number one overall pick and he's being gone, his, his ADP is like five overall in a draft, it becomes where the player has to get double-digit touchdowns and about 1,300 yards or 1,400 yards of offense to equal that ranking of where he's being drafted at. Do you think Callaway is going to get so much hype and talk that there's no Mike Thomas and Traycon Smith is hurt and someone's got to catch the ball there that he, he has to have that, those gaudy numbers to equal where his average draft position is going? Yeah, look, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I think we want to see some football, some live football from the player and from the team. Obviously, we're not going to see much probably in game number one of preseason. But as we as we move through it, I think I think the, the discussion about Marquez Callaway will continue into the opening of opening day. Well, we we shall see. I you know I like the player. I like Mooney as well. But um, you have to see like where that talk is. You know, the ADP. You know, we'll move up and down on a lot of players. We're going to be talking about a lot of players, so we will see how it goes. But uh, there are certainly enough reasons to uh, to like Callaway because, as you said, someone's got to catch the ball. And uh, one of the issues is who 
who's going to be throwing that ball in the world? Yeah, no, and, and that definitely is an issue. Who, who's going to be throwing it? And I think, you know, again, going back to that podcast we did trying to distinguish between receiving cores, right? It, it's, it's challenging, right? Like, we see what's going on with a player like Elijah Moore. Like, he's one of these guys that's kind of moved up steadily. But, you know, as you pointed out, we're dealing with a rookie like Zach Wilson. How inconsistent is that going to be? I, you know, I, I, just, I don't know what that's going to look like. That's one, and we're going to do an episode on players rising and falling. You know, to me, Elijah Moore probably falls into one of the top guys in terms of rising when it comes to draft boards. I'm not sure that I'm ready to kind of jump on that yet, given, given how I'm thinking about the Jets football team and Zach Wilson as well. But nonetheless, he, he's one of those players that's kind of moved up. I, I actually just wanted to talk about two other wide receivers, Wiz, um, that I had on my board that's kind of in, on the back uh, kind of in the background at the moment, but I think could make a little bit noise when it comes to fantasy this year. One's on on. I'm probably you know playing with one of the best, well, if not the best quarterback in football, uh, and that's Byron Pringle because I don't trust McCole Hardman and I really don't trust Demarcus Robinson either. Uh, so a player that I'm going to be watching is is Byron Pringle in the preseason. We've talked about him before on this podcast. I'm paying very close attention to him, and I think in the receiving core for the Detroit Lions, and he's only going to be a rookie. But I think Amron St. Brown is going to be the number one receiver in terms of catches for the Detroit Lions. It fits into the skill set of Jared Goff. Uh, I don't like the other receivers in terms of Perriman and Tyrell Williams. But I think I think you're going to see Amron St. Brown be one of the most productive rookie wide receivers in terms of number of catches uh, this season. I think he'll be the number one fantasy uh, receiver for the Detroit Lions this year. So are you... Uh... Have you uh, turned your back on quitting this Cephas? Because uh, I know that was a player that you no, mentioned. I, I, well. I, I've mentioned Cephas, but I just think the, what, what the Lions are going to do and what Jared Goff excels at, I think that's that's where Amron St. Brown is going to excel. And I just think that's he's going to be the most consistent pass catcher in this offense week in and week out. Yeah, I don't... I don't um... Yeah, I wouldn't like if somebody tried to make that point to me that or debated with me that, you know, he was going to be leading or right up there as far as the receivers go. Uh, I, you know, I could, I could see the point. Uh, I understand that. I mean, I have to watch and see that he's going to be in the slot. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, I could see that. He's, uh, you know, a good guy way off the radar. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. And, I, and I've always been a fan of uh, – of Pringle uh, as well uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, whenever there's been an injury, to, you know, Tyree Kill miss a game or two or a few games. Uh, Pringle is always available. But uh, I don't know. It just has always seemed to me that Mahomes trusts Pringle a lot more than McCall Hardman. It just seems like McCall Hardman is making mistakes. Now, you read a lot of stuff that McCall Hardman has proved his route running, his understanding of the game, but. That's the type of thing that you just can't know for sure until you see live regular season game action. So I'm taking the wait and see approach as far as McCall Hardman and agree that, man, if you could get any part of that Kansas City offense, you should. Yeah, and I think, look, you, you, I wasn't a big fan of Sammy Watkins, but someone else has to catch the ball outside of Tyreek Hill and, and T- Travis Kelsey. I think we've seen the last few seasons, how many times do you see Tyreek Hill come limping off the field? He's, he's not a big guy. Uh, he's missed games before. So in those kind of games, you're going to need someone to step out. And I think you know Pringle is a guy that I think, you know, looks, you know, again, he's lost some weight. Um, he's stronger. He's a big guy, though. He's six foot two. 
So I just think it's a player that I'll be keeping a close look. I guess I still have lingering effects of, of the Super Bowl where when we looked at McCole Hardman, he looked like he wanted to be somewhere else. I just don't trust McCole Hardman. All right. Uh, we, did I wrap up uh, your players? or yeah. you have any other? Yeah, no, that's going to wrap up our players. Uh, Guru was fantasy football podcast. I, you know, look, preparation. I just want to get this out there. You know, all business. Uh, my boy Chris yeah, is. I'm sure, there's a, I'm sure there's a shout out that you want to give out to yeah. a good friend of yours, right? Yeah. You do that every podcast, yeah. Right? It's all business. Uh, <laughs> it's Chris O'Mary. He's, he's such a good kid. Um, uh, he's the son of a, of a very good friend of mine who passed on. And uh, his uncle, Jim, who I speak about a lot here, he, this is a guy that's going to be doing a draft on, on Monday night in, 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 the, in, the, in the family uh, fantasy football league. And J- Jim hasn't picked up anything. He's going into, you know, he, he, wonder, he wonders why he hasn't won a thing except one. He won one championship with me as a partner in the last 12 years. It's embarrassing. And when you don't prepare for fantasy football and you just walk in and you think you just walk into a draft and say, hey, I'm going to do this, it doesn't work that way. So, Jim, the only reason why you have any championships in the last 12 years is because you were partnered with me one year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I expect more of those losing ways to continue. You told me on Friday you haven't opened the book yet or anything yet, and you're going to do a draft on Monday. This is not the way to do things, people. And I know my boy, old business, he's well-prepared, and he'll be – He'll be there to take down his uncle Jim once again this year. That is that is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, it's always good to be prepared, and uh, I know we're helping uh, a lot of people along the way, getting themselves prepared, and getting them fired up for the season, and uh, helping them with their uh, their rankings. So uh, very very happy about that. And we're gonna we're gonna continue to do that, and we're gonna talk about a lot of other things as well uh, as we. Uh, the season bears down on us. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, preseason's upon us. It's not the best quality of football, but it's a little something. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Get in there and subscribe. And uh, Wiz, I wish you a good rest of the weekend. Look forward to catching up next week on the tight ends. You got it.